Uh-oh, Adrian, phase five of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is off to a rocky start with Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania and its relatively quite low Rotten Tomatoes score. For our take on that movie, don't turn that dial. This week, Adrian will review 2022's Sony vampire movie, The Invitation. We'll discuss Marvel president Kevin Feige's most recent interview with Entertainment Weekly that teased all things MCU. And we'll talk about what really saved the movie theater industry. This is Split Focus, a film and TV podcast, episode 106. Hello there! My name is Simon Eady, and alongside me, I have my co host and a man tracking at at least 48 frames per second, Adrian Pinter. How does it go, sir? How does it go? General Kenobi, it goes quite well. How are you, Simon Edie? It's nice to hear your voice today. It's nice to hear your voice. That's nice of you to say, Adrian. That's nice of you to say. We've got lots of things to talk about today. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Yes, Simon. Uh, including how at like the Oscars luncheon, uh, Mr. Director Steven Spielberg. Mr. Director Steven Spielberg. Yeah, Mr. Director Steven Spielberg, dude. Right. He was talking to good old Tom Cruise, symmetrical face Tom Cruise. For those that don't know, just look up Tom Cruise's face and zoom in on his teeth. You'll understand what I mean. Yeah. Um, and Mr. Director Steven Spielberg, he's talking to Tom Cruise and he's all like, hey, did you know? That the incredibly popular Top Gun Maverick movie, which launched exclusively in theaters, didn't it literally saved the theater industry, Mr. Cruz? Is what Steven Spielberg said? You didn't ask him. Did you hear about this? <laughs> I don't think he, I think he said your your movie No, have you heard saved the theatrical industry? Yeah. Yeah. Have you heard? Have you heard have you that heard? Top Gun Maverick was a great success? Yeah. Your movie that you produced and starred in? Mr. Cruz. That's what he yeah, Mr. Cruz. <laughs> I uh, speaking of symmetrical faces, I I have like a a profile picture that I, I'm using for work now, and I looked at the line of my face, and it looks mm. like my face is also not, not lined up. No, it's not as quite as far off to the to the left or the right. But maybe I was just standing on an angle. I don't know. Are, are your teeth slightly shifted, Simon? I think they are a little bit. Maybe maybe I'm like holding my jaw in a certain way. Like oh. maybe it's a clap. You just do that over time, and then eventually your your teeth shift over. I don't know. Anyways, that seems that's that seems scientifically accurate. I believe you. Like you sleep too much on the left or the right. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm a yeah. I'm I'm not a doctor. What? Come on. Yeah, you are. You're a doctor. No, I'm not. Not a doctor. Shh. Oh. But Adrian, I did hear about that, and I thought mm -hmm. that that was that was cute. I thought it was it cute. Was. I mean, that was nice. Tom Cruise apparently was like a you know. The talk of the town. He was just like talking, palling around with everyone at this this rich, rich person's lunch in here. You know, it's very good. Mm -hmm. He's walking around finger gunning people. <laughs> yeah, that's I, that's what I heard. Yeah, that's what I heard. But yeah, it was cool. It was cool. Steven Spielberg to say that. I yeah. uh, I initially when I when I saw it, because did you see the clip or did you just read it? I just read it. Oh, OK. I don't know. There was a clip. Yeah, you can watch it. It's kind of cool. I, oh. It was neat. He was like, they're all like happy and, and Steven Spielberg's like whispering in his ear like, hey man, you, <laughs> I know what you did last summer. Kind of saved the theatrical industry and, and Tom Cruise is like, ah, shucks. Don't say that. I'm a humble man. Don't, don't do that. And, and then Steven Spielberg's like, no, no, you were great. This was and awesome. Then, and then Tom Cruise was like, thanks, check this out. And then he, they walked to the roof of the building and then he got <laughs> on a plane but not in the plane. He got on the plane and the plane just flew off and Tom Cruise was just standing on it. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say like he gets on the building, he <laughs> takes a motorcycle, gets into the plane and then the plane flies off. But then he 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 comes out the back on the motorcycle and then parachutes back to the building and says, mm -hmm. did you see that, huh? <laughs> you know what? I feel like Tom Cruise would do phenomenally in the Fast and Furious franchise. This is coming from someone that's only seen like the first three Fast and Furious movies over a decade ago. But like he essentially does the stunts they do in those movies just in real life. So I think, yeah. dude, the stunts in the Fast and Furious franchise are outrageous at this point. Okay, they're flying a car from one building to another. They're like, they're, no, there's such ridiculous physics in that movie franchise. It's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. It's unbelievable. It's too much. <laughs> 
I kind of want to watch all of them. I feel like we should dedicate like a week and we watch every single Fast and Furious movie and then just review them. There's a lot of them. Because there's also uh, the spinoff like Hobbs and Shaw or whatever. Yeah, there's 10 of them prior to Fast 10. Is there only 10? I think so. Okay, that's still a lot. I don't know why I said only. There's one, two, Tokyo Drift, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, Hobbs and Shaws. Oh, man. Fast 10, your seatbelts, because that would be a quite the ride to get through that many movies. Apparently, they get good, but then they also get bad again. So, I don't know. I don't know. Mm. But anyway, Simon, real quick, on the topic of saving the theater industry, I, I, I will admit Top Gun did do a lot of great things for the theater industry. Yes. But let's not forget yes. that not even six months prior to that, Spider-Man No Way Home came out, you know? I got sidetracked. I was about to say something about that. And, oh, and I was going to oh. say Marvel, they they saved the theater industry because of mm-hmm. Spider-Man No Way Home. But the reason I feel like I don't want to give them credit is because they also came out with premier access. Oh, that's true. In a time when theaters really, really needed to not have that. And Top Gun Maverick was exclusive to theaters. Just like Spider-Man No Way Home. Actually, to give Spider-Man No Way Home credit, that's actually owned by Sony. So Mm -hmm. I guess the licensing is owned by Sony. So yeah, Sony. Sony did it, not Marvel. So yeah, yeah, Yeah. you make a good point. No. Good, good call. Yeah. Good call out. I would say it's a great call out. Arguably the best call out this episode so far. So far. I mean, we're a few minutes in, so mm-hmm. there's yeah. that. But uh, no, that's a good call. Yeah, I was going to say, oh, well, Marvel also deserves some credit. But then I thought, no, Premier Access was a pretty, that was a shit show. That, that yeah. was terrible. That was just like basically like the exhibition industry. Good night. We don't care about you. Mm-hmm. People were burning the Mulan signs. Yeah. All the Mulan uh like uh, marketing material. Yeah. Anyway. They thought out Disney, burned his corpse. But Sony is cool like that. Sony Sony has no allegiance to any particular streaming service, and they do seem to care about the theatrical experience, which I appreciate mm-hmm. about Sony specifically. Me too. Um, you know, yeah. I, I put that uh, put their, their honor of the theatrical experience up there with their incredible PlayStation 5, you know? Yes. Anyway. I love the PlayStation 5. PlayStation VR, baby. It's coming out this Wednesday. Exciting. I'm going to get it. Exciting. Yeah. Indeed. I'm going to watch movies in VR, Simon. Every movie in VR. Speaking of watching movies, Mm -hmm. what have you watched this week, my friend? What have you watched? What have you been watching? TV shows, movies? What have you been watching? Well, Simon, I mean, we're talking about Sony. So I think this is a good segue into the movie that Sony released called The Invitation, Oh, which is a movie that came out last year at some point. Is that a double segue? That's a double segue. All the way across the sky, Adrian. <laughs> oh, man, that, that was a classic. That was a good that was a good internet time back then. Yeah, it was a simpler time, simpler times. Simpler, simpler. But yeah, The Invitation is uh, an interesting movie because The Invitation is that movie that came out last year that stars uh, Natalie Emanuel who you probably know from Game of Thrones uh, fame. She plays Sunday. Yeah. And uh, it was that movie that had that trailer that revealed the entire movie start to finish. Oh. And then revealed everything that happened beat for beat. Oh, it's like the vampires. Yeah, exactly. Where yeah. she goes to a mansion um, in England from the United States of America because she's like, oh, I have family. And then um, she realizes that she has to marry a dra- like Dracula, essentially. And the Dracula is Vin Diesel. And he's like, I have family. I have family. No, no, no. It's a different oh. guy. Okay. <laughs> but it would be cool if it was Vin Diesel. I almost feel like this movie would have been better. But no, the the, the Dracula guy is played by uh, Thomas Do- Doherty, hmm. um, who I don't think I've really seen in much else. Uh, but it's essentially, you know, like these three families plus the vampire man. They, 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 to keep like the peace with this family and the vampire man, they like wed off one of the females from each family to the vampire man and uh, make them a vampire to keep the peace. It's a very thin plot, very thin plot. But uh, (laughs) this movie is, by all accounts, incredibly predictable due to the fact that the trailer literally shows everything beat for beat. But even knowing things and even with the predictability i just think this movie is just not great i think the performances are they're they're pretty good but it's very clear that this movie wanted to do more but it was a it was a fairly rushed plot and they're like well we got to keep this under like two hours let's make it like an hour and a half or whatever just to keep people engaged but in reality it creates a very just again thin plot with not 
too much intrigue. The movie is also exceptionally dark at times, like during its horror-esque moments, where you literally can't see a thing. Oh, I thought you meant dark in tone. Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, technically it's dark in tone, but they try to keep it kind of light and slightly comedic. It, it's It's... It feels a little bit tonally in balance because they're trying to make it creepy, but it really isn't that creepy at all. I don't know if you got this vibe from the movie, but the trailer kind of gave me a vibe of being like a, a worse version of um, Ready or Not. You know what? Uh, I, I could see that, but Ready or Not was just better in every way. Ready or Not was funnier. It was a cooler plot. It was better acted. It had way better writing. Yeah, it seems like a much better idea, but I just like, it was so like yeah. it's like the poor man's Ready or Not in a way. Yeah. That's, that's when I first saw the trailer. That's the impression I got. Mm-hmm. It's like Ready or Not, but there's vampires instead of a crazy family. Right. Yeah. Well, there was some something going on under the surface. Something's amiss. In Ready or Not. Ready or Not's a fantastic movie. I love that movie. That was awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, The Invitation is available on Amazon Prime Video, at least here in Canada. So that's what I watched. I'm glad that I didn't go to the theaters to watch this movie um, when I had the opportunity to. I was just kind of like, eh. Yeah, I, just, I, just, I, I wouldn't really recommend this movie. I, I don't think this is a good movie, <laughs> really. But, you know, if you're if you're really bored and you want something to play in the background while you do other things, this might be worth a watch. But there's absolutely nothing spectacular about it. But I will say the ending of this movie, like, I mean, like literally the last scene of this movie, it left me going like, what the fuck? <laughs> like Both um, uh, my girlfriend and I were so confused because it felt like such an incredible tonal shift for the literally the last scene and i was i was genuinely shocked i was like what in the hell is going on right now um so i i wouldn't say that it's worth watching just to see that last scene because i think the last scene actually makes the movie worse in some ways but it did it did catch me off guard yeah hmm, hmm. okay cool interesting i watched a few things um, I watched you, as in the Netflix series Me? you. Uh, oh, no. uh. <laughs> oh, it was too fast <laughs> on the draw. The <laughs> <laughs> Netflix series you with Penn Badgley, mm-hmm. starring as uh, quite the fella, mm-hmm. quite the fella. So I watched uh, season four, you know, part one or whatever. Um, so I'm waiting. Yeah, the five episodes. I'm waiting for part two. And uh, I love this show. This is great. Mm-hmm. It's just a fun time to watch. And I find that like the... Like again, I mentioned this last week, but but based on what you had said about how it's kind of becomes a who done it yeah. in this season, and I just love how this show seems to just change up its style while keeping its core concepts intact mm-hmm. throughout each season to the point where the change is good. Like the, it's it's weird because you know creators oftentimes they want to keep things the same when they have a hit, mm-hmm. typically. Because they know that what works works. So why change it if it's not broken? The problem is it gets boring and audiences don't realize that, I feel like. But the creators of this show realize that. And they have changed this show season to season in great ways. And I'm very entertained by this last uh, iteration, the the first five episodes of season four. Because of the whodunit detective mystery that's going on mm-hmm. within this universe. So I'm excited for the last uh, the last half. It should be interesting. Yeah. Did you, uh, out of curiosity, did you predict who the murderer was? Um, I kind of did. I, f- I feel like it's sort of obvious, but I was dancing mm-hmm. around between a few of them because they, they did a pretty good job of shifting shifting focus to each of the characters i agree i agree yeah i like went in and i was like oh it's obviously this person but then as the season progressed i kept on changing my mind a bit uh yeah just like joe does joe goldberg (laughs) the main character played by penn badgley is kind of deciding yeah who it is that he keeps shifting his focus and it it throws you off a little bit even though you can kind of predict it from the start potentially it's mm-hmm. still tough to get, which is, I mean, the it has all the makings of a good old whodunit. The makings of, that's the phrase I was looking for. Yeah, the makings yeah. of a good whodunit. Yeah, it's good. It's good, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Adrian, I also watched last night from the time we we're recording this episode of our podcast, I also watched mm-hmm. episode six of The Last of Us, and I know you did too. What did you think of it? So did I, yeah. I, uh, I thought it was great. I, I really liked this. However, I will admit, I feel like this was the first episode that I watched where... 
I can definitively say that the game did it better. Oh. Where I think it the the game obviously benefits because it's slower. You have more time to kind of play through this section. This this episode is essentially four hours condensed into one, if not even longer than four hours. And you get a little bit more out of the video game because of that. Um, so it, it's 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 still a really amazing episode because they were able to condense this four hour portion of the video game into a very tight, really amazingly done one hour. But I still felt that at the end of the episode, I was like, I think they they did it better in the video game. Uh, and again, I, this this is literally the first time where I felt where I was just confident that the game did it better in almost every aspect. There was one scene in particular in this episode that I actually really loved, and it's between a conversation with uh, Joel and Tommy. And I, I really did like that because we don't really get something like that in the game. But the game, I think, does it in a more subtle manner um, that I just I just personally preferred. But I, I think this episode, it had a, like a lot of really great emotional moments. There was a little bit of action, n- nothing too crazy. Um, and again, it's cool to see Jackson, which is like the, the, the town they're in, um, come to life. And there was a lot of like hints and nods to... The Last of Us Part Two in this episode as well, which got me even more exciting. Uh, sorry, got me even more excited. But I still really like this episode. I thought it was great. Um, just not one of my favorites. What about you, man? It's my second favorite episode so far. Oh, okay. I don't care about what the game did. And that's something that I will, I feel like is a theme. I should try to keep mm-hmm. up. Even when other adaptations are happening with for a book or something like that, I try to do that and try to stay consistent with that. I haven't played the game for a few years now. And so... I don't remember the sequences that matched up from the game to the to this episode. So I don't remember yeah. that. And going into it blind in that way, I do remember it vaguely. I think this episode was brilliant because it's paced brilliantly. The shock composition in this episode is so good. The music, I don't know why, for, but for this episode, it almost felt like a standout. Mm-hmm. It's it's great. And the acting like from Pedro Pascal. It's brilliant. Yeah. And, uh, and Bella Ramsey. It's very good. Yeah, I just I think that this episode is a standout for me. Again, I think again, mm-hmm. it, I just don't care that much that it's not matched up to the to the game as much. But uh, this is my second favorite episode. Writing is very good with the character development that they lean into. Yeah, and I just think that if you if you take the accumulation of what this episode is from the you know episodes back. It's crazy how, first of all, how far of a journey they travel in like one episode. This, this, yeah. I, that's why I'm so surprised how well it's paced because they do so much in this episode, maybe more than any other episode of the show so far. I think so. But it doesn't feel like it's rushed at all, which is remarkable. Yeah. I just think that's, it's, uh, yeah, the accumulation of the relationship between Joel and Ellie is like really emphasized in this one and so yeah I, I really love it it's a four and a half out of five again for me it just can't beat this episode three i just yeah it's not gonna happen but uh four and a half out of five is my score right on man yeah i'm i'm also a four and a half out of five on this one so it's a nine out of ten baby nine out of ten indeed mm-hmm. and then simon uh finally we watched the newest mcu movie marvel phase five's premiere ant-man and the wasp quantumania indeed i'm curious to hear what you have to say. Oh, you're leading this one. I anticipated that I would be able to ask you first. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm flipping the script. Okay, because I I got some I got some vibes from you, from you when we left the theater. We were mm-hmm. watching the movie together, at least in the same row. Yes, uh, of the of the movie theater because we don't talk outside this podcast, but we were never have never will in the theater at the same time with our our buddy Kenneth Stadelbauer, who often mm-hmm. wrote into our show when we were taking write-ins um, for the first 100 episodes. And um, I know Kenneth liked liked this movie. Yep. I also liked it. Mm. Obviously, this movie is a it's a forty eight percent on or forty seven percent now on Rotten Tomatoes, so it is not super well regarded by critics. Certainly, yes, it, it is well regarded by audience, though. I think it's like above an eighty for audience score. So it's interesting. To see. Yeah, yeah, it's a yeah, it is. It's like eighty five or eight something like that. Yeah, eighty eight or something percent. Which I don't always trust the audience score. It's tough. Like you have people who mm-hmm. I, I feel I feel like they didn't even watch the movie who review it. Sometimes it's just like, what are you doing? Like, you, well, yeah, you know, yeah. Like I think diehard fans who are gonna review it a hundred percent regardless, mm-hmm. or recommend it, I guess regardless. I don't know. I think the user score works the same way in a binary fashion as the critic score. 
on Rotten I think so I'm as well. 100% sure. But regardless, it's it's a high score for, for audience. Mm-hmm. So this movie, just to give a quick background, if you haven't watched it, we're not going to spoil it here. In fact, we're going to do a closer and a closer look episode of our podcast, uh, which is like a supplementary addition to Split Focus, a film and TV podcast, where we're going to go into the spoilery aspects of our review. Yes. Uh, we're not going to spoil it here is the idea. But... Um, to give like a background on what this movie is about, it's about Ant Man and and gang. So you got uh, you got Hank Pym, you got uh, Janet Van Dyne, uh, you got the Wasp, you got Hope Van Dyne, yeah, the, uh, Hope Van Dyne, the Wasp, yeah. And they get basically oh, and um, then you get Catherine Newton. What? Kath- Catherine Newton. Then you get Catherine Newton. You mean the actor in this movie as well? Yeah, isn't that the actress's name? Yeah, yeah, but that's that's not. Yeah. I named all the characters, yeah. and then the last one is an actor. <laughs> yes, she's playing <laughs> like, do herself. Do you think that these people are these characters? Hank Pym is, you know, Michael Douglas. You, you know that, right? What? Are you fucking serious? Yes. Um, that's unbelievable, dude. I gotta, I gotta fact check this. Anyway, it's it's Cassie. Is her name right? Am I wrong? Yeah, Cassidy. Yeah, is it Cassidy? Yeah, Cassie Lang. That sounds right. Cassie Cassidy. Regardless, it's Paul Rudd's character's daughter. Yes. They get sucked into the quantum realm pretty mm-hmm. early in the movie, and they have to escape. That's the basic premise of yes. the movie. There's more, more more workings in there that I don't want to spoil, but they're they're stuck there. And and there's this, you know, figurehead in the quantum realm played by Jonathan Majors named Kang the Conqueror, mm-hmm. who is basically kind of running the show in the quantum realm. And there are people that live there, etc. And the quantum realm is a much more fantastical place than hank pym thought he didn't realize that it's as crazy as as it is or as detailed as it is down there in terms of there's a civilization basically down there that's the basic premise and they're trying to escape Mm -hmm. so so i guess in the in the stylings of a heist movie that peyton reed has done in the first two movies i guess they're trying to heist themselves out of there yeah yeah that seems right yeah that's a good way to put it yeah so um for me I really liked it, and I'm I'm excited to hear what you have to say. But this movie leans into its comedy in a very weird way, and I find that it has these Rick and Morty vibes that I really appreciate. That's kind of the the thing I think with the comedy that's mm-hmm. great about it. The drama blend with the comedy, I think they did a good job with. I think it's a little bit heavy on the action, is maybe a small criticism, but overall, I really liked the overall blend of action and comedy, and I find that the Mm-hmm. I could follow the story very well. I found that it 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 handled its flashbacks pretty well, but I I, I specifically liked Kang the Conqueror's character development. I feel like that that was the part that I liked the most. I think that mm. Jonathan Majors brought a lot to the role. He did a great job. He's an intriguing character, and because of the fact that they're leaning into the idea of Kang being the big villain in uh, in Phase Five and Six, this is pretty pretty good that he's. This good, I guess. Like, I'm excited to see yeah, how he develops as we go on. Yeah. Do you not feel that he was almost underutilized in this movie, though? Like, do you not feel that we didn't get enough of him? No. No. I didn't. I didn't feel like mm, we didn't get enough okay. of him. I feel like it was it was a good blend. I feel like we didn't get enough of gore in uh, Thor Love and Thunder. I think that that movie, in contrast to yeah, this one. Or the fourth Thor with gore. Leans far too much into its comedy. This one mo- leans in, a, in a, mm-hmm. a better balance, I feel like. Now, that I, w- that I will agree with. Because that was actually my worry going into this movie. It was that, hey, they're going to do what Thor Love and Thunder was where deal with an incredibly serious situation, but just make jokes right out of it constantly. And it, I, yeah, that, that, that is one of my main reasons why I didn't like Thor Love and Thunder. Cause it's like, Oh, I got cancer <laughs> jokes, jokes, jokes. And I'm like, at least like take two minutes to like show like a heartfelt and sad scene. But I feel like Thor Love and Thunder didn't do that. And that was my worry going into this. I'm like, you're introducing this big bad. I think they're just going to do a bunch of stupid quips again. And this movie didn't do that. But I don't know. I was still left disappointed in uh, a couple ways. But you you were about to say something before I rudely interrupted. Yeah. uh, So the other thing I would say is there are some misgivings. Is that the right word? It's it's not perfect. There's there's problems in the the movie for sure that I Mm. find. But they're not problems that make it. A bad movie, in my opinion. I just find that they they wanted to strive for excellence, be a top tier Marvel Cinematic Universe film. What they could have done better is context. 
the quantum realm is missing. Mm-hmm. It's missing. It doesn't feel lived in enough for me to believe that these people live here. Like it, it, it felt like there was some missing, I don't know, scenes or, or spots where certain characters who live there yes. could have been more fleshed out as characters. That I found- Oh, 100%. Is, is a bit missing. And it's like, this is a thing that the Marvel Cinematic Universe has been suffering from in the last few movies, maybe not- Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, but certainly um, Thor, Love and Thunder and definitely Multiverse of Madness, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. I think those two movies are missing contextual scenes of character development that we require as an audience to really, you know, to to really understand the plot or to to fuel the plot in in a more substantial way. The substance on the quantum realm is missing. This movie is about the quantum realm and it's about King the Conqueror. It is not about Ant-Man and the Wasp. That's mm-hmm. a weird name of a movie. I feel like that's the thing. Although that's not that's not a knock on the actual movie, in my opinion. I find that the fact that it's following the quantum realm and the King the Conqueror more so than it is Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, I feel like the Ant-Man and gang are basically just there as like they're they're stuck there and they have to get out. They're they're like relying on the character development we've seen plot devices. Uh, in the past for those characters. A little yeah. bit, maybe too much. I feel like they could have, again, kind of showed a bit more relationship building between that family because uh, it's a family kind of film in, in a large way. Yeah. But I think that, again, it's, th- it's about the quantum realm more than anything else, which is cool for me. I actually enjoyed that aspect and I found that they did it in a competent way. Mm-hmm. Um, the only other criticism I had as well was the end, one of the end credit scenes, the mid credit scene. I wish it wasn't in the movie. I think it was. It actually made the movie legitimately worse, and I will talk about that on the our, our closer look spoiler cast um, episode of Split Focus. Okay, yeah, I'm curious about that. But Adrian, I know you did not like this movie. So what what are your thoughts? Uh, you know, give it to me. Yeah, again, I like. I really didn't like this movie. Um, I I left incredibly disappointed, and I think one of the main reasons why I feel like I was left disappointed is because I think this movie had so much potential to be genuinely great. And going into it, it I had an expectation that it was going to be bad because it was going to be like Thor Love and Thunder in terms of the comedy. And it wasn't like that. It, it, I think the comedy actually in this movie, although few and far between, it was still a funnier movie than what Thor Love and Thunder was, surprisingly. There was less jokes, but the jokes hit more. My main issue with this movie and the reason why I felt so disconnected from it all and again, very disappointed by the end, is that I feel like this movie is almost the clearest example of studio meddling in a Marvel movie, where I feel like this movie, if it had an extra half hour, it could have genuinely been great because they don't give enough context on the quantum realm. They introduce a bunch of these characters that I I imagine if they had a longer cut, probably played a far more significant role in the story. And I would have felt more attached to those additional characters that were introduced. There were lines of dialogue. I think uh, one of the main characters, uh, like later on in the movie, talks to one of those like additional tertiary characters and then calls them by their name. And uh, my girlfriend leans over to me and she's like, did they ever say her name? And I was like, no, like they did not at all. Not even a single time. So like I was very confused. I don't know anyone's name of like the new additional characters except for Kang. And uh, obviously, Modoc, um, who was introduced, I know he was in one of the trailers. And I actually, I thought Modoc's CGI was atrocious, but it it added to the the, the comedy aspect of the movie. It's weird. It's just super weird. <laughs> that the the comedy is really really weird. Yeah. That's why I said like it gives like Rick and Morty vibes. Like I agree. Yeah, there's multiple times I'm like it's so strange, but it was pretty. It's pretty funny. Like there's some pretty good. It is really funny stuff in there. Yeah, like that. Like yeah, the scenes with Modoc, I I laughed out loud multiple times, and and I actually liked that aspect of this film. But this movie felt like so much of the dialogue was cut out. I think there were these flashback portions in the movie that I don't think were developed enough. I I I have a feeling that they probably shot a longer period of these flashback scenes to, again, give more context to the characters that are introduced and give more context to a relationship that's built prior to them going into the quantum realm. But instead of actually showing it, they just tell you about it and they explain what did it they all. tell? I don't, this is, this is where we're going to have to lean on that closer look. I, I, yeah, yeah. Because, 
the I don't know what you mean by tell you. They don't tell you anything. That's the problem is that's why you don't know people's names. They they fail to tell you in theory. They just throw you into it. Like this is it's almost like a I don't know, it's almost like a Star Wars movie like or a New Hope. Like you're just thrown in. I yeah, I think there there is very Star Warsy elements to this film. Like the like the bar as an example that they go to. It felt very Star Wars. And like they like when they go to the Well, even the overall overarching like it's Kang the Conquerors. Yeah, kind of, like it feels like they're on Tatooine at like some points and stuff like that. He's got his his empire though. Yeah. It, it's like he's got his own like troops and all that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, again, I think it is like it is tell and not show in terms of the flashbacks in particular. And I feel like you could have added. But they're flashbacks, man. They showed the flashbacks. Yeah, but I feel like we to get more of a connection. It's not exposition. They're not explaining anything. I I, no, I think. Well, no, because the the one character again, it's it's hard to talk about this without spoilers. But I think the one character is literally just telling everything that happened, and the amount of time it takes for this character to actually start explaining everything is beyond frustrating. There's no reason not to explain like what, what is going on in the quantum realm and to like put it off for like a later piece. Just, the, the only reason they did that is to withhold this mystery of, of, of the world that we are in, in terms of the quantum realm that I, it just doesn't make sense in my personal opinion that this character wouldn't just, as soon as they get there, like, okay, this is what we have to worry about. This is what I'm afraid of, blah, 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 blah. Because now they're just in like in a situation that is incredibly dangerous with little to no context of what's going on. And I it's 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 frustrating in that aspect to me because there were so many opportunities for this character to just tell everyone, hey, this is why you should be afraid. This is what happened, blah, 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 blah. But in in their in this character's mind, they're like, I'm doing it to, pr- to protect you. You're not, though. You're actually putting everyone in danger for not saying it. it. It makes no sense. I don't know. It Does it not make sense, though? It, it, isn't that just a character who would make that decision? I don't think so. But again, I don't really know this character all that well because we've only had them for like a movie. Yeah, well, that doesn't mean it's a whole. It just means that they're making a choice that you don't agree with, right? Yeah, well, I, I yeah, I, I guess so. But I think that, that, that choice is stupid, <laughs> personally. And I think... One of my major issues as well is, again, this movie is Ant-Man and the Wasp. And again, you're, you're telling a story. It's mostly about the quantum realm and Kang. But the Wasp was sidelined in this entire movie. Very little play. Yeah, that I agree. Yeah, it's Ant-Man and the Wasp. Like, where is the Wasp? Yeah, that's that's a definite. It's a question. It, it, I, I find almost where's Ant-Man. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, like, it's, a, it's mostly where, where's the Wasp. Mm-hmm. And I think because of my feeling of like this movie felt like it was chopped up. Like it was a really nice sandwich. Right. And, and you, and, and Peyton Reed probably built this sandwich and it looked delicious. There was, there's vegetables in there. There was condiments. There was a nice piece of meat. And then someone walked over to the sandwich, opened it up, took a bunch of shit off it and threw it on the ground and then put the sandwich back together. That's (laughs) my metaphor for this movie. (laughs) And that's how I felt about it. There was also, I think, this kind of happens when you're filming in front of like a green screen so much. And I think they actually use the same technology that they used in the Mandalorian as an example, like that, that room with the, with the big wall things, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, For the filming of this movie. It's like, it's like a giant, it's almost like a giant projected screen that they're, they're acting in front of the environment that they're going to be um, displayed on in the movie. And I think this movie is so reliant on the green screen and, and that, that it, 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 I think it kind of suffers from almost like a spatial awareness. Like it seems like they are standing in front of these things as opposed to actually in the world. And it took me out of it quite a few times. I was very confused as to where some characters were. There's literally a scene where um, uh, one of the characters, they're trying to hide from the guards, right? And they shrink one of the guards and they make one of the guards huge. And then there's more guards coming that way to like see them in like a hallway but they, it's not they, the 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 big guard is just non-existent. Like it, they just kind of disappear. And again, I think there was so many little moments where I'm just like the spatial awareness of this movie is off. I don't know where the characters are or where they're supposed to be standing hmm. or where they are in terms of distance from another character. It's it's. I just think this movie is unfortunately incredibly flawed. And I think this movie could have easily been like 
a really great movie, but I think again, it just suffers from being chopped up and it's missing a lot of context. And again, I think in the opportunities where they could have extended some scenes and instead of just explaining it and talking about it, sorry, my dog's barking in the background and explaining it properly, they, they just tell you, they're just like, Oh, this is what happened. Blah, 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 blah. Like again, I think, I think the flashback in particular, I don't know what you mean by that. I can't understand what you mean by that. A flashback is showing you that is what a flashback is. I know, but the flashback is just not long enough. I wanted it to be longer. I wanted to sh- them to show more about it. So that is showing. For some of it, but not all of it. Uh, yeah, but not all of it. Okay. Because there, there's like literally a portion where it's just like the camera zooms in on like their face and it's just showing everyone's expression for about like a minute while she's just explaining what's going on. And I'm just like, there's something missing here. And I... I that part, I think, I, I don't know. I find the facts are fuzzy on that. That part, the show not tell part, I don't know what you mean. I legitimately don't know. It's just as much as I feel like Lord, Thor Love and Thunder. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, to be fair, I didn't like Thor Love and Thunder either, though. But you didn't have that criticism. I don't remember what my criticisms were for that movie was, to be honest with you. It was, it was about a year ago. I, I thought the criticisms of the movie was it was overly comedic in spots that it shouldn't have been, and they didn't take themselves seriously enough. Isn't that what your criticism was? Well, yeah, that's one of my uh, main criticisms. I don't remember the rest. Right. I would agree about the CG, though. Sorry, I just tried to stop you there. <laughs> I just kind of went back into the, the plot again. Yeah. But the CG, um, I watched the trailer, and I was like, oof. And I, that's the thing I never recovered from. But I just, I don't know. I Again, I've said this before on our podcast. I guess I kind of suspend disbelief with when it comes to CG. Yeah. And I'm okay with it. It's fine. I just, when I saw that initially, I was like, ah, it's just a very, it's a very CG landscape. And it, and it, I don't know, spatial awareness, ah, I don't know. I didn't notice any of that. I just found it to be too, it's clearly CG. I, I can't unsee that i get used to it after the first few minutes but i just found it to be you know it's hard that's where again if they had more contextual scenes to show these people living in the in the quantum realm maybe i would have believed it a bit more but it's it's with the with the aspect of the the cg being kind of you know a little fuzzy for me i i wasn't a big fan of the cg but again i got used to it so it it was fine but i can see what you mean though in terms of like it's missing Again, missing context. I don't know if there was scenes cut out. That might have been the design. Maybe they just thought we have to keep it under two hours and that's what they mm. made it. Who, who knows? Yeah. Like the first two Ant-Man movies, well, the second one is okay to me. Like I think this is better to me than the second one. Like the first one's probably the best maybe. I don't really remember the second one, but I do remember enjoying it a lot because like it was really funny. I just remember the first two Ant-Man movies being hilarious. Yeah, they were fun. And this one isn't necessarily, but I, I think that's a good thing about this film. Not not a not a negative. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, okay. Well, we'll talk about this more on the Closer Look. I rate this movie a 3.5 out of 5 actually. So. Uh, yeah, I rate this one a 1.5 out of 5. Oof. Yeah. So our overall score is a five out of ten. Mm-hmm. Indeed. It is indeed. That's two movies in a row that we actually did that for, didn't we? It was an Avatar five out of ten. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, Avatar was indeed five out of ten. I think I rated that a two, you rated that a five. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So I guess to jump on that real quick, I actually liked Avatar more than this movie. I feel like if Avatar took out 45 minutes and gave that 45 minutes to Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, I feel like it would have been better balanced, and maybe I would have liked both movies more. But yeah. Right, sorry, that I, was what I was trying to get to when I was talking about that, again, the missing spot, the missing plot. Mm-hmm. This is an issue now. What, what is going on? Are they playing towards the TikTok generation? You know what I mean? Like, what is the point of uh, yeah. making the movie just two hours? Just add an extra 15 minutes. I don't know. I, I don't understand. Multiverse of Madness, they barely went to in anywhere in the multiverse. They went to like, three multiverses, I think, maybe four. Yeah, three universes. It's like, oh, look at this crazy multiverse. Oh, this multiverse, uh, food's free. You pay for food in your multiverse? Like, it's just like, wow, that's that's the that's the madnessist. Yeah, yeah, it's so mad. Yeah, I know, it's insane. Like, it's it, the multiverse of madness. Let's let's go. Let's show more mul- like places. Like, if you want to watch the multiverse of madness, watch everything everywhere all at once. Now that I agree, that's like they literally mm-hmm. like 
they dive into the multiverse. Now, this is a silly, yeah. I don't know what the deal is with these. With what are they writing this in? Are they cutting lots of stuff out? I don't know, but it's like I think it's the latter. I think I think they are cutting a bunch of stuff out in post. I imagine there was stuff filmed. Yeah, I mean, you're letting James Cameron make Avatar. It's Disney still. Disney owns Avatar. Yeah. So why aren't you letting the MCU flourish in a plot environment that's a little bit more substantial? Like again, like I I would have rated like, this movie higher than Kimbo five like i don't think it's anywhere close to a 1.5 out of five to be clear but like to me it could have been a i was like this could be a four this could be a four and a half like where where are you going with this like Mm -hmm. give us another 30 minutes 20 minutes like it's it's missing substance there that i'm kind of surprised that they didn't know was missing and and they didn't trust audiences to want to watch a larger movie considering Endgame is so long. Not only that, but Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, which just came out, it was the last one. That one was pretty long. It was like two hours and 40-ish minutes, give or take a bit. And like, that movie's great. Yeah, we both like that one. Yeah, I love that movie. How long was Spider-Man No Way Home? I'm gonna look it up right now. That's the other question. Like, isn't Spider-Man No Way Home? Two hour, 20 minutes, I'm guessing? Um, It is two hours and 28 minutes. Like Ooh, all their longer movies end up being better than they're I'm sure they're chopping stuff out of those as well, but they're they're mm-hmm. they're doing it strategically in a way that makes sense. Like two hours, no. Like yeah, I, yeah, like that we agree on for sure. Like they're this movie could have been top tier, but it's like it's missing it's it's it the context is important and you just kind of want to you want to be, be able to build out a subs, more substantial story in a bottled way. It's funny because we're about to talk about Kevin Feige and his method to creating the marvel cinematic universe mm-hmm. and it this movie almost doesn't follow it it's kind of interesting but we'll get there in a moment uh we've already rated this so i guess we can move on but yeah audience tune into our, our closer look episode where we'll dive a little bit more deeply into this ant-man and the wasp quantum mania okay adrian it's time for the news are you ready no <laughs> see what i asked you there i said are you ready i don't give a shit if you're ready we're going anyway oh my god oh Whoa. Whoa. let's begin with our focus news story this week a story that we've determined to be one of the most exciting pieces of news in the film and tv industry over the past seven days in an interview with publication entertainment weekly President of Marvel Studios, Kevin Feige drummed up hype for the start of Phase 5 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, with plenty of teasers and small reveals. For starters, he revealed that test audiences have never loved a villain more than actor Jonathan Major's character Kang. Kang the Conqueror tested better than both actor Tom Hiddleston's Loki and Josh Brolin's Thanos, which is good news considering Kang's supposed major role in both Phase 5 and 6 of the MCU. Mm-hmm. Feige also reiterated in the interview how important it is that every movie and TV series within the Marvel Cinematic Universe is capable of standing on its own as a unique and independent property, while also feeding into the greater universe's story arc for the subset of the audience that is keen on following along. Feige went on to claim that the Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman starring Deadpool 3 film is said to be the first rated R movie within the MCU. On the topic of Hugh Jackman's Wolverine, he talked about how his team has a plan in place for the introduction of the X-Men, despite not being able to reveal said plan just yet. In contrast, the superhero team that Feige seemed eager to reveal was the Fantastic Four, which he teased we would learn more about relatively soon. Feige also talked about experimenting with various formats and genres within the MCU by mentioning that the 18-episode Daredevil TV series starring Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio is actually designed to be an episodic TV series, akin more to Star Trek Next Generation in some way, Hmm. as opposed to being purely a serial drama. Feige went on to explain that the Tom Holland starring Spider-Man 4 movie already has a finalized story with some, quote, big ideas, unquote, with the screenwriters currently writing the screenplay for the film. During the interview, it was also claimed that the Mahershala Ali-starring Blade movie begins filming in about 10 weeks, with the Anthony Mackie Harrison Ford-starring Captain America New World Order film also said to enter production relatively soon. In talking about Captain America 4, Feige also officially confirmed that Harrison Ford's new version of character Thaddeus Ross will have been elected President of the United States within the greater connected universe. Feige's bolstered excitement for the MCU's multiverse saga, which is currently playing out with phases four through six is certainly an encouraging sign for the audience. 
Despite spending a whopping 23 years at Marvel Studios, breaking numerous Hollywood records by developing arguably the largest franchise in movie history, it appears as though Kevin Feige still seems just as passionate as ever about building this massive connected movie multiverse and honoring this enormous catalog of comic book characters through film and TV. Mm. Adrian, what do you make of Kevin Feige's interview with Entertainment Weekly? Well, I find it kind of interesting. In terms of King... uh testing better than Loki and Thanos. I find that interesting. I think Jonathan Majors uh, as King was was stellar. I think he did a really great job. But uh, again, I, I failed to mention in our brief review that I felt like his role was almost underutilized, like we could have seen more of that. But, uh, you know, again, they were trying to keep under that two hours, apparently. Um, I think it's interesting because, again, like... Y- I think this is what you were referencing before we jumped into this, that how Feige uh, mentioned how it's important that every movie and TV series within the MCU is capable of standing on its own as a unique and independent property while also feeding into the greater universe. I I don't feel like Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania stands on its own personally. I, I, I It definitely feeds into the larger universe. You know, it sets up what's to come. But I, I do not think this is like a standalone movie. I don't think you can kind of jump in without knowing what happened previously. Um, and again, I guess, I guess this it does seem harder. Yeah. It does seem harder because there's the, the family like that family dynamic. I liked Michael Douglas's role in this. I like Michelle Pfeiffer as Janet. I thought that they they did a good job. But I feel like if you didn't. I don't know if you didn't watch Ant-Man 2. Like, do you have enough context necessarily? Or Endgame, if you didn't watch Endgame. Like, like there's certain moments with Michael Douglas that I was like, oh, that was an amazing moment. And again, it feeds mm-hmm. into the weird as well. Yeah. But I, I yeah, that's, it is true. Like, it, it, do you have enough context in the movie itself that somebody going in blind who didn't watch yeah. the rest of the MCU would have a good enough perspective to think, oh, this is a great movie. Yeah. Like, we know what we know, right? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I tend to agree with that. I am quite excited for, again, like now the actual official confirmation that Deadpool 3 will uh, continue being rated R. I know I know there was like claims that it would be, but there's still that like slight worry in the back of my head that maybe they'll try to do it like PG-13 or whatever and then just bleep out all the swear words. But uh, I don't think they're going to do that. I think both you and I have talked about it that I think once they eventually add Deadpool into the larger movies, I think they'll like actually bleep out all his swear words and it'll be meta about it. Yeah. And they'll make him frustrated. Yeah. And honestly, I I'm a huge fan of adding in like bleeps. I think, I think comedy is at its peak whenever they add in bleeps for swear words. There's something that I just truly love about it. It just, it adds to like this, I don't know. It just adds to the comedy in my opinion. I think especially for a character who's not normally censored. Exactly. That also could help. Yeah. Cause I think again, like with, with the option for him to be so meta, I'm, I'm very curious uh, how they're going to play that out going forward. Um, but yeah, Deadpool three, man, I'm very excited about this. I'm so curious what made Hugh Jackman, you know, decide like, okay, you know what? I will come back for one more after Logan. Maybe, uh, it was Patrick Stewart coming back for one more after Logan with, um, multiverse of madness or whatever. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, like what, what do you think about that? Like the, the, the Deadpool stuff? Uh, the Deadpool stuff. Yeah, no, that's what you said, basically. Um, yeah, I don't have much to say about the Deadpool stuff. It would be interesting to see if this is Hugh Jackman's last movie, though, because Feige seems to have a plan for X-Men. Is it possible that mm-hmm. he'll bring Hugh Jackman into the X-Men, the the Marvel Cinematic Universe's iteration of X-Men? Is it possible that that happens? I, I think there's a possibility. I just don't think they're going to do that. I think that would be tough. Like, I mean, uh, Hugh Jackman, uh, you know, he's getting older. I doubt he wants to be fucking ripped like constantly. And I, I doubt he wants to continue doing Wolverine, but who knows? Like uh, uh, Feige typically does things incredibly well. Like I think again, other than the last few movies uh, apart from black Panther, I, I don't think they were all that great, but I don't know. I, I think if he has a good idea, I'm, I'm down to see it. Um, I am excited about like fantastic four being revealed. I've, I actually don't really have any attachment to fantastic four. Like I never watched the movies and never read any, any comic books or anything, but I'm curious what they're going to kind of add to the existing universe. The one thing that does, you know, kind of sadden me a little bit is how they mentioned that the daredevil series is going to be more episodic as opposed Weird, to a right? serial drama. Strange. I don't, 
necessarily think that's a good idea personally i don't yeah that was a weird the weirdest thing about the entire interview for me yeah he's talking about how they're experimenting with different formats and and he he was recently watching um star trek next gen Mm. and he was saying that he likes just being able to sit down you know and just get a succinct episode so it's 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 a story from start to finish in one episode which yeah. honestly, The Mandalorian does really well too, and it does it, it does. in a way that's serial. So maybe that's what he means. The problem is, is that I don't know. I don't know the breadth of what he meant because, like later in the interview, after he talked about having, you know, an inkling to do more episodic, like She-Hulk, um, throughout the uh, MCU's mm-hmm. Disney Plus shows, he then talked later on about the fact that when he was talking about episodic, he was talking about Daredevil. Yeah, and I'm like, what? It's so weird because the Daredevil series on Netflix is amazing and people love that series. So wouldn't mm-hmm. you just try to, I don't get this idea. And like, I heard it, I, I've also read somewhere that there was like, I think it was Charlie Cox talking about how it's going to be a little bit less, less brutal. And I'm like, well, well I don't get the point then. Yeah. I, I don't understand this. Don't do it then. I, I don't, I don't get it. Just make another one and don't cast Charlie Cox. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I don't buy this. I don't know what the point is. The reason why I love that show is because it's incredibly well made. Mm-hmm. I, I don't kind of get it. It's a, it's a strange choice. I mean, they could do a good job with it. I mean, it'd be awesome, but it's 18 episodes. Is it going to be episodic for 18 episodes? We'll see, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's curious because like, in my opinion, like why experiment with something that you know is going to work well like experiment with the other tv shows that you're going to come out with like why do it on daredevil that like has an existing audience that people love what netflix did with it like that that was awesome dude it was like violent it was unique too like there's not many shows like that yeah tv ma superhero shows well now there's more i guess with the boys and Mm -hmm. etc but yeah I agree. But uh, yeah, so that 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 is quite disappointing. Um, I'm curious about Spider-Man 4, obviously. Uh, and I'm curious what they mean by big ideas, because I feel like if anything, you should make it smaller. You should focus it down, make it a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man as opposed to something ginormous. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, I feel like I do. But I feel like you're really reading into the, the quote, big ideas. Yeah, a little maybe bit I too am. much, man. There's not much there. <laughs> it's, a, it's two words. <laughs> I yeah. know. Hey, I'm trying to have a conversation, Simon. I'm trying to speculate. <laughs> I know. You're getting excited. I get it. I get it. I'm just excited for Spider-Man 4 because of how they left Spider-Man No Way Home. Me too. Like, I think that that movie is like, the way that ends is so, it's so cliffhangery and dark. And and, mm-hmm. and it doesn't, it's, it's almost in the guise of not being dark. Yeah. It's crazy how well they balanced it that. In that movie. Yeah, I love that movie. Spider-Man has to deal with such dark themes, but he's such an optimistic person. It's such an interesting blend. Yeah, yeah, he's an optometrist. So I'm very excited to see where where are they going to go from here. And I hope they can do it as well as they've done No Way Home. Mm -hmm. I really hope. Me too, me too. Uh, In terms of Blade, that I feel like has been in... uh just just absolute disarray for for the last little bit because i think they were supposed to start filming a while ago and then the director left like just before they were going to start filming so that that's being all finicky but i'm curious about that i think mahershala ali's a great actor i mean he's literally an oscar winner so uh, i'm curious what they're going to do with that captain america new world order stoked about it's going to be interesting to see harrison ford as thaddeus ross uh i'm i mean harrison ford's stellar and it's crazy i feel like in the past few years, he's just been acting way more. Like he's doing the Indiana Jones movie that he's coming back for. He's doing these Marvel movies. This one, the Thunderbolts. He's in that Yellowstone prequel series, like 1923 or whatever it's called. Yeah, I think it's a TV debut for Harrison Ford. Yeah, and then 1923, and then in Shrinking, Shrinking as well, as well on Apple TV Plus. So good for him. But yeah, uh, it's cool stuff. But yeah, man. Uh, I don't know. Uh, again, I'm still I'm still excited for what's to come in the MCU. I'm, I've just been left a little disappointed in the past three of four movies that they have come out with. But I've liked the TV series. This is some of them. I like. I really like She Hulk. I don't really care for Moon Knight, but I love Miss Marvel as well. So yeah, he mentioned Miss Marvel. That was like a a high one of the highlighted shows that Kevin Feige was talking about in mm-hmm. the interview, and he was talking about how they seem to be very proud of that show. And I, I, I think it is one of their better ones, honestly. I agree. It was very yeah. well done. 
It's very well balanced as well. It was cute. Yeah, it was good. Like it's just a cute show. It's like from a like a kid's perspective, and I don't know. I was I, a doubter I, too with that show because that the trailers just seemed so you're bad racist. to me. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Stop it! Stop it! Hey, Adrian, <laughs> come on, man. Hey. No, but yeah, that, those trailers like to me looked bad. Like they legitimately looked bad. It looked like they were afraid to reveal the villains, and the villains seemed like one note. And then mm-hmm. they completely did a different thing than the trailers ever. Whoever made the trailers just. Did a bad job in my opinion i, I just found yeah. that they were not well done but the show itself is one of the best of the disney plus marvel shows to me anyway i agree i think miss marvel and she hulk are like two of the best i, I loved she hulk i thought she hulk was genuinely hilarious i love the idea of like making this that was episodic right so that's the other yeah that was episodic sitcom that's what that's the type of stuff you should experiment on not not a known property like daredevil i, know. I know it's funny because in the beginning of this episode of our podcast we talked about how you was experimenting me with different styles. No, ugh, damn it! I should have prefaced that with Netflix's you. Netflix's show you with Penn Badgley. It was experimenting with different styles and throwing Penn Badgley's Joe Goldberg in various spots. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and then it seems like they have like an established character in Charlie Cox's version of Daredevil, so they want to throw him in a different spot. I just think that there's too much time has passed between the Netflix series, like season three. And this new version, and I think they might be changing too much. But I, I don't know. Time will tell. We'll see how it goes. I just don't yeah. know. Imagine it's like 30-minute episodes. Imagine it's a comedy. Oh, my God. I hope not. Yeah, that would be bad. But yeah, I'm excited. I, I just, I don't know. I, I got, I think I got the most out of this interview that I got was, I feel like Kevin Feige's just super passionate about this these new phases. And he's really excited mm-hmm. about showing the multiverse saga off. That I'm super cool about um yeah but just make the movies longer kevin the movies can be longer okay like i'm already in the theater what's another 20 minutes don't make it three and a half hours but like two and a half hours is not is not you know a crime yeah i agree but uh i mean i guess we'll see i guess we will i guess we'll see the next movie is guardians of the galaxy and i think james gunn honestly if you wanted to make a three-hour movie <laughs> it would he happen could. Yeah. So I don't think I think James going to be like, no, no, it needs to be three hours. Yeah. So if you believe I don't, I don't know, I didn't hear anything about studio meddling. But if there was any studio meddling for Ant-Man, it probably would not happen for Guardians of the Galaxy. That's that's my guess anyway. Yeah, again, I, I agree with that. And I think I think the same thing for Black Panther as well. Like, I, I think Marvel just has more faith in James Gunn and Ryan Coogler than Peyton Reed and Taika Waititi, apparently. It's kind of disappointing, but we'll see. No, I think they have a lot of faith in Taika. I think Taika cut what he wanted to cut. I, there was a rumor going around that he got like cut like two hours of comedy out. Jeez. Like not, like, I don't know. I think maybe he got carried away. They had too much fun on the set. They looked like they were having a great time. <laughs> I will give it that. I, yeah. I, I like that movie too. I actually rate that. I, I pretty much rate it in the same kind of ballpark as what I rate um ant-man and the wasp quantumania but for a very different reason like me too actually <laughs> yeah yeah of course I, i'm i'm open to these kind of different styles but i just found that that movie again that's just, it's it's suffering from dramatic context or really lack thereof and it, it's like i don't know there's some moments in thor love and thunder i almost want like i i keep going back to my rating on letterbox for thor love and thunder because i keep thinking do i want to rate it lower but then i think about so some of the funny gags like the the, the goat and stuff i just thought it was fun it was really really fun to watch and they did handle some of the serious stuff well for a lot of the time it's just they just didn't they should have leaned into gore like they leaned into hella you know what i mean and thor ragnarok yeah like Thor Ragnarok is like, it's a it's kind of a perfect blend, especially with I what agree. happens with Anthony Hopkins in the very beginning mm-hmm. of the movie, and then going on from there. It's just perfect. It's I don't know, maybe they needed to do more meddling. I think that was a Taika Waititi choice. Mm. You know, I, I I got that impression with that one. I can see why you think Ant Man and the Wasp might have been meddled with, though. I I, I get yeah. that. I just don't. We don't have any evidence of that. That's the only thing. Yeah. Okay. Now onto the montage, a sequence of our show in which I briefly present seven of the week's other news stories as Adrian delivers a brisk verdict. (gasps) Number one, as announced by Apple, the Apple TV Plus Jason Sudeikis starring comedy series Ted Lasso will return for its third and potentially final season on March 15th, 2023 
with 12 new episodes releasing Wednesdays. Heck yeah, brother. Um, I'm I'm very excited for this. It's it's unfortunate because I think my Apple TV Plus subscription lapses like three weeks before the show ends, so I'm gonna have to pay for another month, but very excited. Number two, as Publication Deadline reports, the Jason Bateman Will Arnett starring sitcom Arrested Development will be removed from Netflix on March 15th. Despite Netflix having developed the fourth and fifth seasons for their own platform, their licensing agreement for the series expires with owners Imagine Entertainment and Disney-owned 20th Century Television on March 14th. This is weird. It's unfortunate that this is happening. Um, I th- like the only other examples I can think of, like a Netflix original property being removed, are the Marvel shows, like the, you know, um, uh, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, all that stuff. I can't really think of another one off the top of my head, but this kind of sucks. I mean, if it goes on Disney Plus, okay, but still, kind of a bummer. Number three, as publication The Hollywood Reporter notes, the Nia DaCosta-directed Marvel Cinematic Universe film The Marvels has been pushed back from its original July 28th release date to a November 10th date instead. Disney's Haunted Mansion movie will now fill that July 28th launch date. Ooh, okay, I think this is honestly a good decision because I feel like you want to spread out these movies a little bit more because it would just be pretty much everything in almost the first half of the year. So I, I, I don't blame them for pushing this one back. Number four, as Variety reports, Universal is developing a How to Train Your Dragon live action film, which will be directed by the How to Train Your Dragon animated trilogy writer-director Dean DeBlois and is set for a March 14th, 2025 premiere date. Oh, I really like the first two How to Train Your Dragon movies. So I'm curious how they're going to do this live action. I'm, I'm, it's nice because there's actually human characters and then maybe they'll have dragons that look like they're from game of thrones that'd be cool i'm excited number five according to publication deadline knock at the cabin director m night Shyamalan has signed a multi-year multi-picture deal with warner brothers pictures with his next film trap coming to theaters on august 2nd 2024 oh right on good for him i quite like knock at the cabin i know you did not really love it curious to see what m night Shyamalan comes up with next Number six, as Deadline reports, Apple TV Plus sharper actor Brianna Middleton has been cast as the lead in Mr. Robot creator Sam Esmail's eight-episode Apple TV Plus miniseries adaptation of the 1927 silent film Metropolis. Oh, I still got to watch the rest of Mr. Robot. I'm sure you're excited for this one, I'm guessing. I am. Number seven. According to publication The Hollywood Reporter, Hangover actor Zach Galifianakis has been cast in the live-action remake of Disney's Lilo and Stitch. The movie is being directed by Marcel Duchel with Shoes On director Dean Fleischer Camp. I'm very excited for this. I love Lilo and Stitch, and I think this might be one of the best live-action remakes uh, considering the director attached. Is Marcel Duchel with Shoes On? That's that's a five out of five for me, baby. And that concludes the montage. Wow, 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 montage. Um, to just point out briefly there about Metropolis, like that Sam Esmo mm-hmm. limited series, actor Brianna Middleton is not in much right now. Neither was Rami Malek prior to Mr. Robot, Sam Esmo's other show. I'm wondering if her being in this is going to like just skyrocket her career because Sam Esmo like just does really good character development and very like he just writes great characters. And so I think that if mm-hmm. she's the lead and she hasn't been in much, much like Rami Malek wasn't before Mr. Robot, maybe it's just going to like make her explode into the, like, the stratosphere. I think the most recent thing that Middleton's going to be in is Sharper, which is on Apple TV Plus. It's like that. Uh, I don't know. If, did you see that trailer? It's got... I don't think so. John Lithgow in it. It's John Lithgow and um, what's his name? Uh, the Winter Soldier. Uh, Bucky Barnes. Um, uh, Sebastian Stan. What? What is wrong with you today in character names? This is unbelievable. <laughs> that movie looks okay. I'm curious if that will be good on Apple TV Plus. But um, but yeah, yeah, I'm curious again about this. I, again, anything Sam Esmail makes. Um, I've been thinking of watching Homecoming. That like the Julia Roberts starring show because he wrote and directed that too. But anyways, we'll see. Oh, Adrian, what do you have for me, my friend? What do you have for me? I got new theatrical releases with special streaming mentions for you, Simon. Oh, and what are they? Yeah, uh, so this is for the week of February 22nd to February 28th. The first movie that's coming out is coming out for a slightly earlier release than originally planned, it seems called Jesus Revolution. This is coming out on Wednesday, February 22nd. It was originally announced for the 24th. 
And it's about uh, a sea of young people in the 1970s that go to Southern California to redefine truth. But in their journey, they meet a charismatic street preacher who leads them to a spiritual awakening, Simon. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Wow. The next movie that's coming out is coming out on Friday, February 24th. It's Cocaine Bear. Oh. Um, it's a bear that does cocaine and goes on a rampage. That's coming out to theaters. I'm very excited for this one. This seems just like a stupid fun time. It does, yeah. And uh, Directed by Elizabeth Banks, mm-hmm. who, who said that uh, she's worried about her career ending because of this, the goriness of this movie and the ridiculousness. The goriness? Apparently. Ooh, that makes me even more excited. I think it's going to do well. She said that it was very gory and she wondered if her career would end. I think she was joking, but she is a comedian. But, but yeah. yeah, I mean, if her career didn't end with that uh, Angels reboot movie that I think totally flopped. I Charlie's Angels? Yeah. Could you be more vague? That, that angels <laughs> i forgot i forgot the name <laughs> leading up to angels I, I just sometimes i feel like you just leave things hanging and but you're gonna move on you don't want to you don't want to look up the name you know we, we don't want to go that deep we don't want to know the name of things you want me to click and clack you want me to click and clack let me look it up it's charlie's angels well, i just told you i know now you now you did prior to that did you want me to click and clack oh my god anyway what else is coming out this week come on um and then the final movie is a special streaming mention it's coming out on netflix it's uh this friday february 24th it's we have a ghost this is a movie starring david harbour as a ghost and anthony mackie and it's about a family that moves into a home and meets a ghost who's david harbour and he has a murky past you mean sheriff hopper and uh and and captain america Who, who the heck is david harbour yeah, dude. Exa- sorry, sorry. I should have been more uh, clear. Yeah, uh, Sheriff Hopper and uh, the new Captain America. Um, Sher- Sheriff Hopper's dead. <laughs> he fucking deceased. And now he's uh, a ghost in a house. And Captain America right. moves in. He has a family. And then his family starts posting the ghost videos online uh, and they become famous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's the movie. You want to watch that? Do I want to watch that? Not really. Not particularly. <laughs> Doesn't look that interesting. Oh well, you chose it as a special streaming mention. There are other mentions you could have made. I know, but I, I, I just, I put this one out because Sheriff Hopper and Captain America were in it. Oh, I understand. Got, gotcha. Yeah. All right, sounds good. Do you want to see Cocaine Bear this week? I do. I do want to see Cocaine Bear this week. Okay, we should maybe make a plan, but not on the air, but okay, eventually. Well, uh, I'll have my people talk to your people. Excellent. Because uh, we don't talk outside this podcast. Of course. Adrian, this ends the regular scheduled programming for our episode. Do you have anything else to add to our audience before we wrap this guy up? No, uh, other than if you would like to hear some, you know, short form reviews of some videos, some, you know, some quick information about some stuff, maybe some comedic bits, you can find us on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok at jar underscore split focus. Uh, if you want to follow us or subscribe us, subscribe to us on any of those services, we'd greatly appreciate it. Um, we'll be, uh, you know, maybe experimenting with a few other videos on that uh, as well. But um, I know I've been having a pretty good time making those videos with you, Simon. You've been doing an amazing job editing the videos. Very high production value. I would argue oh, higher production value than any other TikTok I've ever seen in my gosh darn life. Any other one. Well, that's high praise. I appreciate it. Ever. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Excellent. Alrighty. Then thank you for listening to the 106th episode of Split Focus, a film and TV podcast. My name is Simon Eady, and this is Adrian Pinter signing off. It is indeed I, Adrian Pinter. I'll keep this quick. Batman v Superman, good movie. Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City, good movie. Uh, Ant Man and the Wasp Quantumanium, bad movie. Take care. Goodbye. Quantumania. Quantumania. Goodbye. Quantumania.